Hello everyone. Nice to see you all tonight. I'm um, doing the first reading tonight. It's from um, Genesis chapter 42, chapter, uh, verses 1 to 24. And it's on uh, the page 4T7. When Jacob learned that there, were gra- there was grain in Israel, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? He continued. I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. The ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others, because he was afraid harm might come to him. So Israel's son went among those who went to buy grain, for famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land and the one who sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brother arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended not to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Jacob, Joseph did not recognize his brothers, although J- Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where the land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man, who live in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you. You are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your brother's brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother, and the rest of you will, keep in, will be kept in prison, so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And then he put them all into custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words may be verified and that you, will, may, that you may not die. Then this they proceeded to do. They said to one brother, surely, they said to one another, surely we have been punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was, and he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why the distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, did I, t- did I tell you not to sin against this boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now he must give accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them, since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then turned back and spoke to them again. He had Simon taken from them and bound before their eyes. And the memory verse. And the minute I'll thank God. And it's on page uh, 53 of the Pew Bibles. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers, with their flocks and herds and everything they own, have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, 
We have come to live here a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then uh, Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramesses, as Pharaoh directed. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you, um, Jean, for reading God's word for us this evening and Gesham as well. I was tempted to read uh, all uh, six chapters tonight, but uh, we're not going to do that. So, uh, isn't it wonderful to be here this evening and to worship our God? And also, we want to express our thanks before I start to Lyndall and uh, to Jean. And when I when we were here last week on Friday, uh, as I, I was I was coming to it. I was coming to it, Lyndall. Frank was on his knees. Yeah. Um, fixing all these uh, beautiful candle stands. So thank you so much. Um, this is part of Service for Christ, which we appreciate really. Uh, praise God for that. Well, let's uh, come to our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity you give us to meet this evening and to worship you, Lord. We thank you, too, for the freedom we have to read your word. And we pray that you would help us to understand these uh, chapters before us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, uh, tonight we're going to just look at uh, the topic here, of course, chapters 42 to 47. Uh, it's a massive section of uh, scripture, uh, but it's also a well-known story for most of us. I want to look at uh, the topic tonight on guilt, grace, and reconciliation. I'm sure that most of us at some stage in our lives have uh, gone through periods of guilt, perhaps. Maybe uh, the guilt has been because you've done something uh, particularly wrong to someone else and you've been carrying that guilt. Uh, Guilt comes in various ways. Maybe you've uh, uh, eaten something that you perhaps shouldn't have eaten and you were thinking, well, I shouldn't have eaten that chocolate. I feel guilty about that. That's a wrong guilt, maybe. Uh, Some guilt is good because it brings us to an understanding of who we are, leads us to repentance. But if guilt continues on in our lives, it's something that really can eat away at our very lives and can, in fact, destroy and paralyze us from functioning further. Uh, If you read the book by Martin Lloyd-Jones, he speaks about spiritual depression. And in that book, he says that that one particular sin that you might be struggling with or perhaps not confessed with and you're struggling with that guilt is the very thing that might be 
crippling your life and not helping you to proceed further in your journey of faith. So there is guilt, then we have grace, and we also have reconciliation in these chapters. And so today we're back at the life of uh, Joseph, focusing on these uh, chapters before us tonight. We'll see how we go. Well, the story of Joseph has three important aspects for us to understand in the wider scheme of things, in the wider scheme of God's amazing plan of redemption. It tells us how Israel wound up in Egypt. It spells out how the promise of God in Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2 was fulfilled to make Abraham's family into a great nation. And behind all that is taking place in the life of Joseph is the hand of God fulfilling his purposes. Now we come back to Jacob, and I just want to give you a very quick overview because Jacob, as we know, he had 12 sons, uh, sons of Leah. I'm not going to read all the names there, but look at the second uh, list of names. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Now tonight, Benjamin is going to come into focus here in this entire uh, the drama that is unfolding right before uh, the eyes of Joseph's brothers and Joseph himself, as well as Jacob. So Joseph and Benjamin, a very close connection as brothers. And we know that Joseph had his dreams, right, about the sheep gathered around uh, and they stood up and so forth. We can read that in Genesis chapter 37. Verses 5 to 8, and then also we read the other aspect of his dreams, the other, dreams that he, the other dream that he had in chapter 37. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father, just remind, keep this in the back of our minds, his father kept the matter in his mind. All right, So Jacob kept this thing in his mind. And his jealous brothers wanted to obviously kill Joseph. Instead, Joseph is sold as a slave. And the brother's version to the father, Jacob, was a very different version altogether. They dipped his coat in blood, and we read about that in Genesis chapter 37. Um, then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this, examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. And what was uh, Jacob's reaction to all of this? Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son's for his son, many days. So he was a grieving father. It's a normal thing, isn't it? Any father would be grieving in, in such a situation. And so Joseph, instead of being, um, being killed, is sold. We know that he's sold into Potiphar's house. Joseph is a handsome young man. God's favor rests upon him. He becomes the chief steward in the house in Genesis uh, 39. Mrs. P- Mrs. Potiphar takes notice of this young, great guy. And uh, so the whole thing begins. She wants to basically have sex with him. And uh, Joseph runs. He flees the seduction. And for taking a stand for God, he ends up being thrown into prison for no crime that he has committed, falsely accused. And in prison, Joseph excels and he becomes the captain of the guard. And then, lo and behold, there are two characters there in in the prison. There's the butler, the chief butler, and the chief baker. Those both guys have dreams and then Joseph says, interpretation of dreams belongs to God. And he gives the dreams, the bad news for the baker, the butler lives on. And then we move to chapter 40, both dreams are answered. That's the interpretation of dreams, the butler lives, but he forgets Joseph for two years. 
And Joseph is remembered by the butler after two years. Pharaoh has this. I'm just giving a very quick overview so that we are back into this uh, section here tonight. And Pharaoh has these dreams in chapter 41, interpreted by Joseph, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. He's promoted, becomes the prime minister uh, of Egypt. Think about Egypt. A very important part in this whole process of God's planning. And we know Egypt has been on the news these past few weeks, if you've been following uh, the situation there in Egypt currently. And then, so he's promoted, and then we have the reconnection with his family and the encounter that takes place. It's a fascinating story. I've read the chapters uh, and it's quite, kind of encouraging to see this whole thing unfold because it's basically a family feud. Family that is dysfunctional. A family that is torn apart because a father is showing favoritism to one of his children. And the rest of the brothers are absolutely mad with this. And so we come to chapter 42. And when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, and I'll come back to this, why do you just keep looking at each other? Come on, there is food in Egypt. Why are you looking at each other? Go there and get the food. Wouldn't you do that? Right? If there is a famine here and there is food available somewhere else, you'll be saying to your children, go, why are you looking at each other? Well, we know why they're looking at each other. We'll come back to that later on. And he continued, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy, uh, buy this grain. So... Uh, lest we die. And then in chapter 42, uh, we see this. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, imagine that. He recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. As far as they were concerned, Joseph was dead and gone. Right? Uh, they never recognized him. Joseph recognized his brothers. They did not recognize him. Then he remembered, what do you remember? Genesis 37, he remembered his dreams. He remembered his dreams about them and said to them, just this incredible, Joseph is playing some incredible tricks here with his brothers. He said to them, you are spies. <laughs> you are spies. Why have you come here? You have come to see where our land um, is unprotected. You see, Jacob at this, uh, sorry, Joseph at this point in time, he has an Egyptian name. Remember that? He was given an Egyptian name. And probably he's shaven like an Egyptian. He has been raised in the Egyptian courts. And he has been well educated. And when he recognizes them, we see in the text that he withdraws himself and starts to weep. Right? There's a time of, of, uh, of crying there. And it is at this point that Joseph went, ventures out to, on, on, a, on, a, on this plan. He begins to make these accusations and, he, and to orchestrate a test. For his brothers. He calls them spies. And this dialogue goes on. He puts them in prison for three days. And then in 42, we read this. 42, 21. They said to one another. Now this is the guilt thing that is going on. Surely we are being punished because of our brother. Right? We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. So this thing is playing on their heart and in their minds. Right? Years later. And then Reuben steps up, 42. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an, give, give an accounting for his blood. See that again? This sin thing is playing up again. And they did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using 
uh, and interpret. Imagine the scene there. Right? These guys are talking to each other. I mean, if you talk in, I mean, it's happened. I mean, it happened a while. I'll tell you what happened. When we were in Sri Lanka once, uh, we had, I had some uh, Sri Lankan guys next to me, and the girls were seated on the other side, and they didn't realize that I, I understood Sinhalese. And I heard all this conversation about our daughters and what was going on. And suddenly I turned around and said, I spoke in Sinhalese. She should have seen their faces. They were like stunned. Do you remember that? <laughs> they were like stunned. And they moved away. <laughs> right? um, and, and Joseph is playing this, this amazing, uh, this, he's playing this trick here. And they, they don't understand what's going on. But Joseph knows what. And uh, of course, now at this point in time, as they go home, leaving one behind, the Simeon is kept behind. He wants to keep Simeon, and they must return and bring, Joseph says, the other brother with them. This is his real brother. Remember, Benjamin and Joseph. Otherwise, they will never see Simeon again. And Joseph wants, it's a longing, there's a heart longing to see his brother Benjamin. So there is this twist that goes on. And as they return home on their way, they find out that the money they had used to pay for the grain that they had been, has been now put back into their sacks, and they are confused here. How did it get here? And Joseph gave orders to, uh, to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in, into this sack. And then we come to 42. Again, uh, at, at the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey. And he saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said, he said to his brothers. Here, here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank and they turned to each other trembling, and now the story is shifting from this guilt conscience, it is coming to something else. What is this that God has done for us? Can you see what's going on? Right? They realize that they stand under the judgment of this second command, of, this, of the one who is in second in command for Pharaoh, and they also realize that the hand of God is now upon them, and their conscience has been affected. You see, God has given us a conscience, right? All of us has a conscience. And when we talk about the gospel with people, just a side thing here, we need to appeal to their conscience. Because our conscience will tell us exactly between right and wrong. We kind of understand that. We are are built in that way. And the conscience is coming into play here. It's a sad place for them at this point in time. So Reuben cried out, did not I tell you this? Should we should not have sold our brother into, into slavery. And they are attaching the hand of God's providence that puts them in this position as a consequence to the sin that they had committed many, many, many years ago. And this sin is coming to haunt them. And guess what they say to, uh, to Jacob when, when they go home? Oh, can you see that there? It's very small, doesn't matter. Uh, when, when they came to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened. The man who is lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated, treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We were 12 brothers. Now get this. right? We were 12 brothers, sons of one father. One is no more. One is no more. Wow. And the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. So Jacob is absolutely distraught and he won't let them go back. So he's willing to sacrifice uh, Simeon. He's willing to do that. He is not wanting to send Benjamin. He's 
definitely does not want to do that. And come to 43, the famine continues. They have nothing to eat. And finally, Judah prevails upon his father. I and my children will be the surety for Benjamin. We must take him. If we don't go back with him, then we will not get Simeon and we will not get food and we will all die. What is Jacob's response to this? Right? Um, uh, we, let me come back before. In, in chapter 42, uh, we, we essentially see this whole drama being played out now. And Simeon is here, is back there, and Jacob is crying. He wants Benjamin, Joseph says, and the father is saying, basically, I do not want to give my other son away. And, and Jacob says this, and may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, I am bereaved. I am bereaved. I am basically dead. Sad state. So what happens? They arrive in, in, in Egypt. Simeon is brought out. A great feast is given to them. Uh, and, and Joseph realizes that he's, not the, he's, he's, he's looking at his brothers. And then he looks at Benjamin. And Benjamin is well in chapter 43, as he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God is gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. Five times more food is given to Benjamin. Five times. I wonder what the brothers thought about that, right? What, what, what were they thinking? This is another favoritism that's going on here. And so we go on in chapter 44. We have this whole episode of the silver cup. And Benjamin is there. And this special cup is being put. I wonder what the steward was thinking about all of this as well. The steward is asked to go and put this cup, this cup of divination, into Benjamin's sack. And I wonder what the steward was thinking. Perhaps he was thinking Joseph has gone crazy here. But he does the right thing. And he follows Joseph's orders. And then we find out, as we read the chapter, the steward puts the silver cup in the sack of the youngest, also with money for the grain. And so chapter 44 begins with all of that story. Um, and we, the, the stewards, they search the bags, they find this cup in Benjamin's sack, and they're back again. And we have a real situation that is before us now. If we come to chapter uh, 44, 27 to 29. Uh, your servant, my father. So, see, what's happening here is this, my dear friends. Now, Joseph has taken this guy. They're all there, and Judah now steps up. And Joseph is not wanting to let Benjamin go. No way. And Judah steps up into the whole scene. Right? And there is a negotiation that is going on. Right? Joseph was still in the house. We see that in chapter 44. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. And I said, he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes uh, to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave. This is Jacob saying this, right, about the misery. So what happens here? Benjamin is there, and the tears are taking place here. There is a reunion now that has happened, but the father is still back. Incredible story that we see here. And we come then to, um, as, as we go along in this chapter, we see Judah stepping up and talking to Joseph and saying, Joseph, we can't do this. I can't do this. If I don't take Benjamin back to my father, he's going to die. A very sad place. 
And little did Judah know at the time that Joseph knew everything that was going on in this whole drama, this entire drama. And then we have this whole moment, the moment of real truth, the moment of revelation that takes place as we come to chapter 45. Judah offers to stay behind in place of Benjamin. But come to chapter 45, we see that Joseph could not bear this anymore. In chapter 45, Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, I have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. What a moment. What a moment that must have been. The brothers were absolutely speechless. They were dumbfounded. Remember, you sold me. But Joseph says, come near to me. Embrace me. And he embraces Benjamin. And there is weeping and there is tears. And then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. There's a testimony here in chapter 45. Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Again, God is brought into the picture. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. But God sent me ahead in verse 7. God is in control. Again, Joseph says this. God has made me Lord over all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. What a testimony. Again of God. And I'm going to wrap this up when we, when we, uh, towards the end of this, uh, this message. The whole picture of God as well coming through. So chapter 45 they went out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told, uh, told him, Joseph is still alive. I mean, the best news the father would have heard. My son, who was dead, is now alive. Right? The best news. There is a great joy in Jacob's heart. Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's the ruler of the whole of Egypt. And then we move to chapter 46. The whole clan, they get ready to leave for Egypt. And then God speaks to Jacob in a dream. If you look in your Bibles, chapter 46, verses 2 to 4, God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God. Keep this in mind, friends. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. That's the dream. And Jacob goes to Egypt, a great moment. Chapter 46, 28-29. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region, this is the great reunion that takes place. Joseph and his chariot made 
ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Now, men don't cry, people say that, don't they? It's a joke. That's not true. Men cry, right? These were not uh, just uh, blokes just living their normal life. These were tough guys, right? There were tears there. And Joseph appeared before him. He threw his arms around his father, wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Now I said that at the start. Remember Jacob kept something in his mind when when he heard about those dreams. And now it's coming to fulfillment. Right? Live in Egypt, chapter 47, 17 years. And the years of his life were 147 years, Jacob. When the time drew new for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, Joseph said, swear to me. So what are we to make of this, these chapters here tonight? See, let me say these things, please, as concluding observations. I have a few points here. Well, about Joseph. You see, Joseph continued to test his brothers, wanted to know where their hearts were in relation to one another and in relation to Joseph himself. The test is from the hand of Joseph, and it has been designed to find out two things. That's what I see here. One is to instruct them concerning their sin. Joseph is using the situation to pinpoint the sin in their lives. The second purpose, I think, is to uncover their heart. That is, where is their heart in relationship to the sin that they have committed against the Lord? The sin that they had committed against the Father. The sin that they had committed against Joseph himself. You see, these are the guys, friends, as we know, who murdered many. These are the same guys who put their brother in a pit to sell him. They collectively lied to their father, collectively. They were brothers in crime, partners in crime. You see, this brings me to that point that I made earlier. When, Joseph, when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? Remember that? Why don't you go down and get the food? See, why didn't they do that? Why didn't they want to go back? That's a good question, isn't it? See, they did not want to go back to Egypt because when they thought about Egypt, what came into their mind? About Joseph. It's the memory of that sin decades before. And so when the father said to them, go to Egypt, they kept on looking at one another instead of saying, yes, we're ready to go. Of course, they did not want to go because to go back to Egypt is to unravel that sin that has been so buried in their lives. And it would open up everything before them. You can't suppress sin, friends. It's like trying to suppress a a ball in a swimming pool. You try doing that. The moment you let go, bang, it's out, isn't it? You can't do it. No matter how long that sin might be, It will be there in your conscience. And these guys, they did not want to go back. It's funny, isn't it? Joseph's brothers were reluctant to even think about Egypt because it caused them to think about their past sin. 
And over the course of the years, they had lulled their consciences to sleep and to put it behind them. And they could not do it. It's locked in. But now, God put them in a position in which they had to face the very place that troubled their guilty conscience. You see, God brings us around some, some way, in an amazing way, back to himself. Right? And he might change even events, like the crisis that he did, the famine there, and everything else. Major events to bring these guys back, really. It was real, real work of God. God put them in a position in which they had to face the very place that troubled their guilty conscience. And then further we see this. The brothers are forced, my dear friends, to come to the reality of the sin that they had committed against Joseph himself. They had to go back to this man and bow before him. That dream that, was, uh, that Joseph had was fulfilled. The brother that they had thought and put away, they had to come before him and acknowledge that that sin has been committed against their brother. God provokes a crisis in their lives. Thirdly, we see this as well. We see Joseph's unwavering commitment to God. I put here in my notes that Joseph is a theologian. (laughs) He didn't write any books like our current theologians did. He didn't need to write one, did he? He was a theologian in the fullest sense of the word. Why do I say that? Because I I was incredibly blessed. I must say, I looked at the seven chapters or six chapters. I thought, John, what have you given me to do? But I thought, I was looking through and reading through these chapters, and I I was incredibly blessed to work through this, uh, the, the, the life of Joseph. You see, Joseph is a theologian. Because he learned so much about his God. He learned so much about God when he was in the pit as well as when he was in the pinnacle of office. He learned so much about God both in the good times and in the bad times. He learned so much about God in terms of forgiveness, in terms of grace, in terms of reconciliation. He learned so much about this God being an omnipotent and powerful God that he was able to bring God into the conversations that he had as an evangelist before Pharaoh and before, his, before the butler, before the baker, before his brothers. And here again singing the praises of his God. And, and uh, later on, uh, in, next week or so, uh, John will we'll, we'll touch on, on some of those aspects, you know, but the brothers meant for evil and so forth. God is in the center, right, left, and center in the life of Joseph. And I want to say this tonight, friends. You know, you might be, you may have been through so many disappointments and ups and downs in your life, and you've seen God at work in your life in an amazing way. And I want to encourage you tonight to know that this God is the same God who guided Joseph, is the same God who guides you and myself. And because he's a holy God, he will not keep us in the place of our sin, but he will bring that to memory, and we need to deal with whatever that sin is in your life and mine. So Joseph has learned about God. You see, sometimes God has to bring us to a point of complete brokenness so that we might confess our brokenness to him. And cry out, create in me a clean heart, O God. That's what we see here. 
So there is guilt, there is grace, there is reconciliation. Because a heart that has experienced that grace will also show love to others, is it not? And we'll extend that grace. So I'll ask you, is there some unconfessed sin in your life tonight that is eating away at you? Bringing back into a conscience and you can't be out of it perhaps. There's a way out, friends, and that is through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Right? He died for you, he died for me, he paid the price for our sins. And finally, as I come to the final point of wrapping up in terms of observation, we see God's plan here beyond. We must not miss it. God is preserving a remnant here. And from this remnant, out of the clan of Judah, right, there will be one who will come, who is the promised one, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Did you see that? There's a bigger thing going on here as well. In Genesis chapter 49, that will be covered, I'm sure. Chapter 49, verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. This is Jesus. And somehow, in a weird, amazing way, this whole story makes sense when we look at it from this perspective, that God is doing this because he has a bigger plan at work. What an amazing God we worship. And so, tonight, I trust that we will not live uh, with our own sins buried within ourselves, but know that God loves us and has given His Son for us. And when we trust Him, our guilt is taken away, or my shame is nailed to the cross. He forgives all my sins, and we are made anew, because worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, we know that we've looked through the six chapters uh, tonight. So much material to cover, but thank you for giving us the big picture idea of what you did and what the lessons that we can learn. Father, we pray that if there is any unconfessed sin, guilt that's crippling us tonight, that you would help us to bring it to Christ, seek forgiveness. Make restoration where we need to do so. Extend the ministry of reconciliation. We thank you too that through the life of Joseph, we see the bigger picture, the bigger plan of you being fulfilled. Preserving of a remnant, fulfilling the promises made to Abraham, and out of the tribe of Judah comes our great Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.